Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. As many of our regular listeners will know, as part of this series, we look at different professions within the real estate industry. And today we're exploring the role of the rent review surveyor. To help me do that, I'm joined by Chris Ridgway, head of business space lease advisory at Colliers. Chris advises investors and occupiers on lease renewal and renegotiation, as well as on rent reviews. But what exactly is a rent review? How is it conducted? And what type of person is suited to the role? Chris, many thanks indeed for joining me today. Let's go back to basics. What is a rent review? Okay, well, I'll give you my dinner party chat. (laughs) Somebody asked what is a surveyor and what is uh, what what do you do you actually do so a rent review is, is something that happens every five years in most leases yeah where the rent is rebased to market value so the rent is fixed for the first five years of the lease it changes it normally can't go down it can only stay the same or go up to protect the uh, the investment values and of course investors and occupiers have a very different view as to what that rent should be so it's a process of negotiation. If you can't agree on a on a figure, there's a process called arbitration where the parties will act as an expert witness and put their views on value to an independent surveyor. So it's very much a process of looking at the deals that are taking place in the real world. But of course, rent reviews have a lot of hypothetical things to assume and disregard. Don't want to get too geeky here, but in terms of actually making the process work you have to live in a hypothetical world and have some imagination because the end result has to be what would this property let for in the open market and of course normally a tenant and a landlord are real people and the occupier is actually using that property but we have to assume the property is vacant yeah okay so you've given us a flavor of how the rent review works What's your role within that? I mean, you touch on negotiation and trying presumably to um, get the parties to agree to a particular level. But what what do you do on a day to day? Half of my time is is talking to clients and advising them on what the right answer is. Yeah. And the other half is trying to get to an answer that's better than that. Obviously, if you're acting for an occupier, you want to agree the lowest possible rent and vice versa for uh, an investor. But a lot of the time, we're, we're a bit like detectives, really boring detectives, where a lot of the answer will come from what other people are paying in the market for similar buildings. And there's no substitution for some good old fashioned graft and diligence to actually find out what those answers are, because as most negotiators will tell you, to get to an answer and to be successful in a negotiation, you need to know what the answer is before you do that. Okay. You mentioned at the beginning, um, or you allude to the fact, I think, that you know perhaps a, a lot of people don't necessarily know what a, a surveyor does, and in particular, a rent review surveyor. Is it a role, do you think, that perhaps doesn't receive as much attention as it should? We're not the high profile people in most firms, but the fact is that rent reviews and lease renewals, which we do as well, you know, they happen on a regular basis because they're set in stone as calendar dates. And we 
regardless of what we do in our own job, often we act as a support basis. We will help our colleagues out in terms of providing for legal support for transactions, for investment sales and purchases, uh, helping our valuation colleagues on Redbook valuations. So quite a lot of my time is actually spent helping colleagues as well, because to value a building or to to acquire a building, you need to know what the implications are of, of that lease. And in particular, if you're buying a building, you need to understand what that rent will look like over the course of the lease. And that, that's really key to it. So rent reviews, although they are a very specialist thing, the rent that somebody pays on, on a building impacts lots of other different sectors of the, uh, of the property advisory industry. Tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming a rent review surveyor. Wow. OK. Well, of course, most most people don't start out wanting to be a rent review surveyor. I started out wanting to be a ski instructor or a footballer. But how most people and it's like most most graduates um, start in, in say, in, in the industry. If, if you look at senior people in the industry, they probably didn't start out where they wanted to be or what they what they thought they could uh, could be good at. Because, of course, to be successful, you need to understand what you enjoy and what you're good at because if you enjoy something you'll be good at it and if you're good at it you'll enjoy it so yeah I, I started out at what uh, a small um, a small office in the city what what's now become the Stratton Parker city office um, I knew that um, I wasn't necessarily uh, uh, somebody who would succeed in brokerage so after qualifying uh, back before the internet actually in 1997 I joined a predecessor firm of Colliers, Conrad Driplat, some of our your listeners will know, and pretty much started out doing lease advisory from that day on. So my my journey is probably similar to, to most surveyors' journeys in that we didn't necessarily start out what we thought we'd be good at or what we thought we might enjoy because you only find out about that when once you actually start doing it and most most large firms are, are completely multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual job you're doing on the ground is not necessarily what it says on the tin. Yeah. And so once once you'd had exposure to lease advisory as an area of practice, I mean, what, what particularly appealed about it? Well, pretty much everything you do, you're guaranteed to get paid on. <laughs> because a rent review needs to be concluded, a lease yeah. renewal needs to be uh, concluded. So there's very little work that we do where you're not going to see some outcome on that and I like the fact that our our job is by its nature to have say 100 arguments a year with people but I I work really closely with lots of our cohort you know in in other competitive uh, our our other competitor firms and you know the vast majority of those those people that I'm representing my clients against have become friends over the years and we're quite a uh, you know quite a close cohort of people and it's the usual thing in properties a far smaller world than say legal or accountancy and and of course as everyone knows to do a successful deal to to get to an end which has a beneficial outcome for both clients you need to work together it doesn't mean you can't have different points of view and of course you're doing your absolute best for your client uh, but most most uh, most negotiations will come to a successful conclusion and of course, being the property industry, there's always a good lunch at the end of it. So it's been quite a, a social, sort of close knit um, community to be a part of. Yes, because we all need each other because we 
knowledge is power in terms of and quite often you can you can phone up a friend and say have you done anything in this area they'll say yes i've just concluded a rent review or lease renewal there here's what i know about that market and that can save you time and of course uh, you can do that on a reciprocal basis but of course and to succeed in the industry you need to get on with people property is by nature a very sociable world most people end up in property because they like talking to people and getting on with people and of course in the property world when you're advising clients you're not necessarily advising clients who are, who are in the property world and that's one of the things i like is actually talking to people who will be in a completely di- different industry mm. to you they need your advice as a specialist but it's interesting to see what they do and you can learn from that so one of the best part of my jobs is actually going around you know, factories and offices and seeing how other people work figuring out how things are made, almost peeping behind the curtain in mm. terms of things that you see as household objects. Well, you can say, well, I, yeah, I've been in that warehouse. I know exactly uh, I've seen it being made. Yeah. So that's that's one of the great things about lease advisory. You are getting out and about and talking to real people, seeing interesting buildings or yeah. certain interesting processes within those buildings. Yeah. And as a profession, how has or, or practice, an area of practice, how has it evolved in the time that you've been practicing in it? Well, I'm still practicing, I suppose. Um, I think, well, rent reviews you know, probably only really started in the sort of 1970s and 80s, so so after after I was born. And I think what's happened now is that uh, leases are generally shorter than they were in the 80s. So in the 1980s, 25-year leases were common with, with only rent reviews. So I think there was probably more emphasis on rent reviews and lease renewals, whereas now an average lease is probably going to be between five and 10 years. So there's a lot more ways we can advise clients, a lot more opportunities for work, because if a a lease might have a rent review at, at, at the midpoint and then there's a lease renewal to do. And at most points in the lease, there's opportunities to regear that lease. There's always something creative to do. There's yeah. very few points. There's very few times in a lease where you think, there's nothing we can do here to either help your investor client and, and uh, increase the, the asset value or to make life easier for your occupied client. Mm. And I suppose one of the things that obviously happens over the course of 25 years is, is that you might have various cycles of, of the economy. I mean, how do rent reviews typically respond over the course of an economic cycle? Well, because most rent reviews are what surveyors would call upwards only, so the rent can't go down or stay the same. So in the midst of a recession, there might be nothing to do on a rent review. But being a lease advisory specialist, there will be other things to do. Yeah. And actually, there's been very few times in, in, in my career, and I you know I started out in the, uh, the, late, the late 90s, there will always be something to do. If you happen to be in the right markets, and I've been in the logistics and office market pretty much all my career, but even, for example, if you're in the retail market and as, as as we are now, where there might be no scope to increase the rent at review, there are lots of other things you could do to advise an occupier and be creative. So although the lease is a static document on a file, the people actually negotiated to make that lease and it's still a live document in many ways. So rent reviews, perhaps in the 1980s, when uh, there was the the crash in sort of 1987, 88, where if you had a 25-year lease, 
with upwards only rent reviews, investor and occupier might have not had anything to do. There might not have been any chances to uh, to advise. Whereas because now leases are shorter, it's mm-hmm. still a very active um, sector to be in. And I think I'm right in saying that there were a flurry of cases in the early 90s that came off the back of that recessionary cycle. Is most of the case law now fairly cut and dry in terms of rent reviews? Good question. Um, You're referring to the Broadgate cases, I think. There is always case law that comes up in terms of, um, and not necessarily on rent reviews, but lease renewals, but we, we still see leases now where there is ambiguity in wording mm-hmm. and and of course what what um, the parties thought they were agreeing at the start of the lease might not be how it's read in a rent review clause 15 years later and of course those parties may be completely different people might have gone, gone out of the business and and of course most case law will depend on people's interpretation mm-hmm. of clauses in leases even words even whether a word has a capital letter or not at the start. So I think it's fair to say that the more interesting leases, if you use that phrase, are probably from the 1970s, 1980s. And going forward, most lawyers will put a lease in place where there's less ambiguity. But I still see leases most weeks where there is some ambiguity and there's a position you can take on either side of the argument to um to to benefit things so no case case law will continue to be um to be relevant one of the things i enjoy about lease advisory is you're dealing with people in the real world you've got one foot in the hypothetical world and you've got a lot of legal argument and case law to look at as well yeah and just thinking bringing things right up to date i mean has the pandemic affected rent reviews and lease advisory in terms of rent review dates in a pandemic, the answer is nobody really knows yet because to make a rent review transaction work, you need to assume a willing landlord and a willing tenant. So I think what's going to happen, and, and probably because most rent reviews and lease renewals take place retrospectively, it's quite unusual to agree a lease renewal earlier than the expiry date. The same with a rent review. I'm still dealing with rent reviews in 2017, 2018. And I think there will be case law or there will be arbitration proceedings that come out where what you could call a COVID rent review date will be will be the issue because the primary function of a of a rent review is to decide what rent somebody would pay at a particular date. Now, the logistics sector over the last nine months has been unaffected by COVID, I, I'd suggest, and possibly even strengthened. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the office market is changing. Nobody quite knows how it's going to how it's going to change. Um, but of course, a a landlord at a rent review date in, for example, let's say the March quarter quarter day, March the twenty fifth, he wouldn't be able to let that property at that date, perhaps. But also he wouldn't be wanting to transact at a massively lower rent than he would get in normal times. And and this is where rent reviews, you need to have some imagination and lateral thinking, because, of course, you have to put yourself in the minds of the people signing that transaction at that date. And as we knew, as we know, well, probably in early March, some of us would have heard about the virus. And it depends how closely you'd follow politics or, or world news. But it's it's figuring out how that would 
translate into the minds of people at a corporate level signing transactions. And certainly, I don't think landlords would have signed leases at a far lower rent and locking themselves in for five years. They would probably wait and see, and 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 similarly with uh, with occupiers. So there's going to be lots of conjecture and probably case law over the next few years. We all, you know, rent review surveyors will be living to a large extent in 2020 for quite a long time, I think. But it's yeah, it's it's trying to imagine people's perceptions of covid at that time mm. uh, but rent reviews will still need to be done lease renewals are, i think if you can't agree a lease renewal by negotiation you end up in court and those will continue to uh, to run and i think of course from a, from an occupational perspective if you're saying to a to an occupier client well okay i'm sorry that your business is suffering because of covid but by the way your rent is still going to go up that's a very difficult message to send to to board level so I, I think I think there's going to be quite a forensic um, uh, examination of dates in that COVID cycle. Do you expect that there will be an uptick in litigation as a result of this period? Yeah, I think so. Certainly more than uh, rent review dates in uh, in 2019, because what you need to do transactions and rent reviews and lease renewals is certainty, and that's not not what we've had. We still don't have it now. Mm, okay. we, we, it, it's reasonable to assume that. By March 2021, the the market will be more certain. But of course, throughout the year, throughout 2020, people have been signing leases, doing deals, buying buildings, selling buildings. So I think a lot of arguments will come down to uh, being sector specific. For example, if you're a tenant, it's understandable to say, well, nobody would sign a lease on a, a large HQ office building as at 25th of March because there would be uncertainty. But the way that rent reviews work is some of that uncertainty will be factored into the rent. But the artificial assumptions, because most most rent review clauses will have a willing landlord and a willing tenant assumption. And even if they don't have it, that, that is implied, then that will have to make a transaction work anyway. So rent reviews will, conti- will continue to exist one foot in the real world and one foot in the hypothetical world, I think. Mm, okay. So thinking then about the type of person who's suited to a career in rent review Spain, what sort of characteristics lend themselves well to, to a career in the profession? Okay, you've got to be um you've got to get on with people and you've got to be able to to do deals. You've got to be a deal maker. You've got to be good at research, you've got to be analytical, you've got to be a good lateral thinker. You've got to get on with colleagues. You've got to understand the market. And of course, clients come in all different flavours because some of my clients will be CFOs, CEOs. Some of them will be somebody who knows a bit about property. People don't know anything about property. You've got to, like most people in, like most people in the property industry, you've got to be able to get on with people. But you've got to have a, an analytical mind, but also what most clients want is for you to give proper considered advice in a relatively short time scale although rent reviews and lease advisory is my world as a career for most occupiers rent reviews and lease renewals are hassle as an occupier you want to keep your cost low and to have maximum flexibility but you know a rent review is uncertainty a lease renewal is uncertainty it's taking them away from their core business 
Now, of course, you have a different perspective if you're Prologis or Seagro, because property is is their business. So it, it's having that ability to to balance those two around, and also to have the ability to to talk to clients in in a straightforward way, and the usual thing of under promising and over delivering. Thinking then of really advice and tips that you could give to someone moving into this area, lease advisory, um, as an area of practice, what would you say to them? Okay, to fully understand the markets that you want to operate in, to read around the subject, to be inquisitive about about case law and also understand the real world because the real world has such an impact on, on, on the property world. But it's to have the to, to really work on the ability to, to advise clients, to get on with colleagues and actually just to, to get through the work that's on your desk. Because the way that rent reviews and lease renewals work, their dates are the calendar and they keep on coming. So a good rent review surveyor needs to have the ability to do a deal, probably to sell a deal to a client and to to explain to that client whether they're investor or occupier why this is the best deal to do as a negotiated settlement sometimes it's unavoidable that it's it's not possible to negotiate a rent and they will go through arbitration proceedings uh, which i will do a few times a year but it's have it's having the ability to understand where the market is understand how that market applies to the figure that you're trying to get to to work with your opposite number in the lease advisory cohort. He might be a friend, he might be somebody you've never dealt with before. To agree a deal which you can both get over the line with your clients and to do a deal. And you've got to, like most, most people in property, you've got to be part salesman. Ideas, principles or transactions. Chris Ridgway, that's a very clear note to end on. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. It's been a really interesting look at the profession. Okay, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for your time. That was Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more information on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and egi.co.uk.